Don't you love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time. Black woman. Beautiful, powerful, resilient female of African descent with skin kissed by the sun. Conversation. A talk, especially an informal one, between two or more people in which news and ideas are exchanged. We love being black women. Black women are ambitious. Black women are confident. Black women are diligent. We are tenacious. We walk out of our houses put together. We are many shades and personalities of fabulous. But we as black women don't talk about our dilemmas, current events, and what's going on every day that affects us. So... We created this podcast as a way to laugh together, cry together, and have an open conversation about life as black women. Oh, that's deep. Black Women Conversations. Hey, Nicole. Hey, Janine. How's your week been? It's been interesting. Not bad, just interesting. It's been busy. So you know that we are doing this whole Atlanta move. Yes, we are going to Atlanta. No, I have not officially signed a contract, so I will not announce where it is I'm negotiating with in Atlanta. But we are going to be in Atlanta or the greater Atlanta area, if you will. So, you know, Harrison, so I was telling Ken, our producer, your husband, before we started the show, Harrison and James flew by themselves this week, right? They He flew by themselves. Uh, they flew by themselves. Harrison acted like a million bucks. He acted like nothing was going on, which I was like, really? Who is this baby that you flew with? Because the baby that I know acts a fool and wants to run out down the hall, down the aisle of the plane. But apparently Harrison did not do that with James. Harrison was on best behavior the whole time. So they flew down to Georgia for a 45 minute group play session, flew back the next day. And then we had a family interview that next day when they got back via Zoom. And then James flew back for an interview down there the day after that. So we've been doing this whole like back and forth thing, back and forth thing all week long. And now we feel a little bit more settled. And then of course, today is Father's Day. So we had to give James a whole bunch of gifts. We didn't do anything today. We chilled out, but he did get like 10 gifts (laughs) today for Father's Day. So shout out to all the dads. Happy Father's Day. Um, If you listen, I know that you you won't hear this till Thursday, but we're recording on Father's Day. So happy Father's Day for everybody to everybody, all that identify as fathers or who has been a father figure. Shout out to y'all. But uh, other than that, I mean, other than like the whole like back and forth game, that's pretty much all we've been doing all week. Well, you know, I'm excited because it's Atlanta. Woohoo! Now you get to be in the same time zone as me. Congratulations. Oh, that Eastern time zone. But you know what? When you think about Cali and their time zone, like PST to EST is like just eons different, you know? Yeah. That's a what, three hour difference? Yeah, that's going to be awful. Is it three or four? I think it's four. One, two, three. No, maybe it's three. Is it four? Is Pacific time, mountain time? I don't know. That's too many times. All I go by is Eastern time. I can do the conversion, but it takes me a little bit more time to do it in my head than 
It should at this age. Well, that's because I, I feel like I don't know that many people in California, like on a Pacific time. But now that I am on the board for the American College of OBGYNs, a lot of things happen in PST. And I'm like, golly, they're always like, can we meet at such and such time? I'm like, if it's after 3 p.m. PST, I can meet, which is five there. So uh, yeah, I can meet after that. I mean, that is sort of good because for me, it means the times are a lot earlier, but then it's bad because if they want to meet at six, I mean, I'm still at work. That's four for me. So then I'm juggling, like, can I move these people around or can I block my schedule at the end of the day? And it's really hard to block your schedule at the end of the day. Like one late person will set off your whole schedule and then you're going over. Can't ever make a four o'clock meeting ever. Yeah. So on the East Coast, everything just kind of centers around us in California. So I'm glad that since we're not, we are not, and by we, I mean, both of us are not moving to the West Coast that you are now moving to the East Coast. So we don't have to worry about that stuff in the middle because, you know, it's a little crazy over there. Yeah, I guess. I mean, we'll see how it feels. I mean, because my family will still be on Central Time. Mm. So it'll it'll be, you know, a little different, but it's not like I talk to them later. Eastern time too. I tried to convince Stacey. I'm like, hey, if I move to Atlanta, will you move to Atlanta too? And she was like, uh, no, girl, I'm not moving. <laughs> She's not moving. Oh, Stacey would have so much fun in Atlanta, though. Girl, Stacy would be a hot girl in Atlanta. She'd take over Atlanta. Tell her to come Mm-mm. on. Come on to Atlanta. So, uh, Johnny, what did you do this week besides work yourself to the bone? Because I feel like you are literally working. You working, honey. You are making that money. You working. That is very true. But this weekend was Pharrell something in the water. So I have been working, eventing, working, eventing, working, eventing. And I can honestly say I'm tired. And... In addition to something in the water being this weekend, DL was here this weekend. So we went to see him. Like, I feel like it's all been a blur since about Thursday. I feel like Thursday, then Friday, I had two events. And then Saturday, we went to go see DL after I did get a little teeny bit of rest. And then today I went to church and then had another event. So tomorrow, the day off, which is kind of halfway a day off for me, I don't have to go into the office, but I still have some things I need to do. I will appreciate the rest that I am able to get tomorrow because I realized, well, my my bones and the aches that I have have realized, as well as my inability to keep my eyes open in places that I feel like I should be alert, has it's all told me that I'm not 20 anymore. As much as I'd like to think that I'm still 20 or in my 20s, my body is saying, girl, you old. So I did a lot of moving around this weekend, but I'm tired. I am very Tired. Grateful, but tired. Well, um, I I definitely understand what you mean by you're not in your 20s. Um, I was talking to someone that was in her 20s, that's in her 20s now. And some of the things that she's doing and then talking to her about them, I'm like, oh, yeah, I'm the old I'm the old chick. You know, I'm the old chick at the parties and stuff like that. Like my knee is hurting right now. My knee and my ankle are hurting right now. And I have no idea why. Like I didn't do anything. I didn't fall on it. It's just hurting. I took I took some Tylenol earlier today and a little bit of like, I'm like, let me take a baby aspirin just in case, <laughs> just in case like I got like some type of increased risk of a blood clot or something. Like I'm trying to make sure I'm warding off whatever could, could be there. But I'm realizing that too, Janine, like, I can't drop it like it's hot anymore. I can't do it. I can't drop down. Let me tell you. So I messaged my chiropractor on, I believe it was Friday. And I was, no, I didn't even message her. I called the office and I was like, hey, I woke up and I'm pretty sure that my hip 
joint is somewhere around my belly button, not supposed to be there. Feels funny. And my hip comes in and out of socket a lot. But when I used to be able to just like, you know, maneuver and wiggle and push it back to where it belongs, now it feels like it's about to go into my esophagus. Like it doesn't need to be there. And so I'm like, well, what am I supposed to do? So I have now, I think this is the sign of being old. When you call the chiropractor's office, the chiropractor then messages you stretches that you need to do so that you can just function during the day. That's when that's when you're officially old. Like I need to stretch before I start my day. Like that's what that's not stretch before I work out, stretch before I start my day. Girl, I felt old. I was like, um, this is a bit embarrassing. But I will tell you this, with the exception of the few hours that I was in church today, most of which was seated, I have not worn heels the entire week because, wait, we had events Thursday, Friday. I've, been, I've literally had events every single night. This is intense. So I just thought about that. But I have not been wearing heels and I'm trying to do better with this. But sneakers, it's been because, yeah, I can't, I can't be walking around with hip and knee replacements. So. As, as much athletic attire as, as possible. That's what we're doing these days. Well, Janine, you know, you're not supposed to be wearing heels anyway. We had this conversation about the wedges, remember? Like that's all you're supposed to be in is a wedge. So I'm glad that you are wearing tennis shoes because you're not supposed to be doing that. Three times a week I was given. Three times a week I can wear heels, just not six inch oh. heels. Okay, so if you've been restricted with how many hours or, how, or the frequency in which you can wear heels, then you probably just should avoid them and only wear them if needed. Like I could see if you were going to a formal event, like a gala, you had to wear like after seven attire. But if that's not the case, care what you're doing. You're trying to break your back? Dislocated hips. No, I get it. Like I'm not, I've done so much better. There was a point that I was wearing heels every single day. Every day, but it didn't even didn't flinch. It just was like, oh, heels didn't matter the height. It just wasn't kitten heels because kitten heels would send me. So, you know, it was between about four and six inch heels every day and didn't have to think about it. Now I'm like, oh, I have a dress. Do I have a pair of sneakers that can go with this dress? Like, I feel like the middle aged commuter mom, the one that takes the metro or the public transit and like in her suit and then has like sneakers in her bag. That's what I feel like. But guess what? I'm going to be the middle-aged commuter mom with no kids as long as it's going to keep my hip from feeling like it's going to shave my body in half. So this year we cannot be the broke down chicks. You know, we need to channel our inner like and outer Angela Bassett in this mug. I don't know, Johnny, what we need to do. I think we need to like, I don't know. We need to do some like weight bearing exercise or something. We're too young to be broke down like this. Sure thing. We will get on the exercises. I need a nutritionist. I also need a personal trainer and a great plastic surgeon. If we get all four of those, I will be giving you Angela Bassett every day. I need a personal trainer. When I see a jiggle, it's going to tell me these are the exercises that you need to do to fix that jiggle. I need, just in case those exercises don't work, a plastic surgeon on hand to nip and tuck the jiggle if need be. And then I also need like a life coach, like somebody who's going to tell me, girl... This is what you need to do today. Don't feel overwhelmed. We're going to get there. But just in case, we still need to have the plastic surgeon on hand. So, and a nutritionist that tells me, 
hey, girl, just because you ate only like four Cheetos does not mean that that's healthy. It just means that you will not (laughs) you have not eaten a bunch of calories. It's Not okay to eat just four Cheetos. So those kinds of things. If I have all of that, I'm going to give you an Angela Bassett at her whatever age she is looking phenomenal. Well, we're going to take baby steps. First, we're going to increase our exercise. Check. Then we're going to cut back on the hot Cheetos and eat more green leafy stuff. Let's just start there. Like if we can get consistently on those two, then we'd probably be doing good. And just then I have perfect skin, perfect body. And then I'm going to be walking around naked. And then y'all are going to have to find me somebody to tell me to sit down. That's what we're going to need. Listen, with all this fluff I got, somebody still got to tell me to sit down, honey. Listen, it may come in a big package, but honey, I'm still a Twix, okay? (laughs) First of all, big package where, ma'am? Girl, listen. Girl. All all four foot four of yourself. Girl, please. Listen. Nothing big about you. I used to be fun size. Now these curves, this this wagon I'm dragging, honey. <laughs> I'm king size, okay? Okay. But that's okay. I embrace all of that too. I embrace all of that. And and we all need to embrace your body. Let's stop. Embrace your body. It's all right. Just love where you at right now. Okay. I want you, I am with you on the embracing your body, but I also want you to be realistic about the fact that you are still fun size, my dear. You are just this big. Just like that. Anyway, Johnny talking from a distance. He's, listen, Girl, I can see your entire body on the screen and you can only see from my shoulders up. Same size screen. No, but I'm standing up. I'm standing though. Okay. Now if I stood, my whole upper half of my body would be cut off. Hold on. Let's try it. Now, can you see my face? No. <laughs> That's because of the dear, proximity to the you're, screen. Anyway. You're still fun size, my dear. It's okay. It's okay. Don't even worry. Anyway, so, you know, I'm really looking forward to this week's conversation because it's a little bit more lighthearted than we usually discuss. So I'll ask you, Janine, so what's on your timeline this week? So this actually, we decided to talk about this. I don't want to say we decided. This was one of our topics of conversation because we saw a video about a young couple actually uh, expressing their love languages to one another. So we decided that it keeps kind of creeping into other conversations that we've had on the podcast. So why not just have a full on conversation about our love languages? So you and I have made no bones about the fact that marriages work. It's fun, but it's work. It's not always rainbows and butterflies, but it's actually the conscious decision that you make every single day. And I would venture to say every moment of every day to stay married and more so to be happily married and to make the most of your marriage. Or you just decide the opposite and decide that, you know what, this marriage isn't for you and you move on. Right. So there are many reasons that people get married. Many reasons that people stay married. But for the most part, the central theme around why people get married or stay married or even just get into a relationship is generally love, right? Now, there are some instances where people don't marry for love, arranged marriages. Some people marry for money. But even those people, I would venture to say that marry for money, they also marry for love. They're just marrying for the love of money. I digress. So, While we place so much emphasis on love and relationships, oftentimes love is missed, it's overlooked, or even sometimes misunderstood. 
Now, like I said, we briefly chatted last week about love languages and we get a lot of letters about people and how they love and how they are kind of like loving past one another in the letters that we see. Um, so we decided to just do a full episode on this. So here we go. Now, I would venture to say that most of the people listening, you and I obviously, have heard of the five love languages. It's a book. And the full title of the book is actually The Five Love Languages, How to Express Heartfelt Commitment to Your Mate. And it was written by Gary Chapman way back in 1992. I know that sounds like it was forever ago, but it was a while ago, right? And interestingly enough, it did not become a New York Times bestseller until over a decade later after it was written. And I would actually venture to say that it's probably a household book at this point. You know, most people have like, you know, the Bible, the prayer of Jabez, you know, I forget that life book by Richard somebody. And then they probably have the five love languages somewhere in, in that collection. Now there are some like they made a revision like a revised version of this book. And now there are some other like extensions of this book, almost like chicken soup for the soul, right? So now they have love languages for men, for children, for teens, for singles. They even have a love language for military edition. So it's actually a pretty, you know, large franchise at this point. So in the original book, Chapman breaks down the five general ways that people express and experience love. So it's not just about how you express love, but it's also about how you experience love. So what are the love languages? So the first love language, words of affirmation. So that's kind of sometimes shortened as compliments. Um, the second one is quality time. The third is receiving gifts. The fourth is acts of service. And the fifth is physical touch. So people, I'll go over them really briefly. So people whose love language are words of affirmation, value verbal acknowledgement, verbal affection. They want to hear that you love them, that they look pretty, the thank yous. They thrive off of the compliments and words of appreciation. So I kind of call this the pedestal love language. Like you're not actually putting them on a pedestal, but you're essentially telling them all of the nice things that they want to hear. They live for encouragement and affirmation. So for people whose love language is words of affirmation, what they hear from their partner is very, very important. For people whose love language is quality time, they seek time spent with their partner. So, and this is not just like passive time. This is not time that they're actually just, you know, spending together. This is the intentional time, the intentional quality time specifically that their partner makes for them. So this is the love language where people are seeking the undivided attention from their partner. For people whose love language is receiving gifts, now I will say this, we often, now this is not my only love language, unfortunately I have a tie, but I will say that for people who one of their love languages is receiving gifts, they often get a bad rap. So this is for people who like to receive tangible tokens of love. Now, this is not saying that you have to go out and buy and be super extravagant. Now, people whose love language is receiving gifts or giving gifts, we do like the big extravagant things, but what we are seeking is not something that's big and extravagant. Like I said, these gifts don't have to be large. It's more about the meaning and the symbolism of the gift and the thought that went into the gift 
than the gift itself. So for these people, it's about the tangible and the meaningful nature of love. So it's not just tangible, it's tangible and meaningful because one without the other doesn't satisfy this person. So for people whose love language are acts of service, these people, they value their partner going above and beyond to make their life easier. So things that, you know, we might not enjoy doing or might not want to do or something that we may enjoy doing or may want to do, but it's just going to make things go a little quicker or easier. That's this person's love language. If your love language is acts of service, it's like picking up the dry cleaning, putting gas in your car, things that you have to do that, you know, just a few extra minutes in the morning might be helpful. That's something that you could think of for someone whose love language is acts of service. And the final love language, which I would say probably is also very misunderstood, is physical touch. Now, people whose love language is physical touch, they love to receive love through touch. Now, this does not always have to be intimate touch. It can just be an intentional physical connection. So like some things that I've read, it's like, you know, people who like to lay in the bed and put like a foot on someone or like just have their hand resting on them. It doesn't have to be anything that's super intimate. It's just the fact that we are physically connecting. So it's something as simple as holding hands and cuddling to like kissing and having sex. Physical signs of affection are paramount for these people. So most people think that it's all about sex, not necessarily the case. The love languages seem to be super simple and straightforward, but the issue that we often have with them is that we love people in our own love language rather than loving our partners the way that they want to be loved. I suggest if you haven't learned your love language or the love language of your partner, or if you haven't actually checked up on it, because it does change with time, circumstance, proximity, take a moment, go online. You can either go to the love language website. It's fivelovelanguages.com. Get the book, ebook, take it off of Amazon, whatever it is that you do. Go take the test with your partner to gain some insight on how you can love your partner in the way that they would like to be loved. And it will also help them learn how to love you the way that you want to be loved. So honestly, Nicole, I feel like we're out here struggling. We're out here thinking, oh, we have the perfect man. Yes, we could possibly have the perfect man, right? The perfect man for us. But if we're not loving them in the way that they like to be loved and vice versa, the connection is going to be a little little difficult. I'm just saying, have you ever seen Nicole where a guy is with one woman and it seems like they're he's the worst man in the world? And then he goes to the next woman and it's like, wait, that's a whole different man. I would venture to say, and I'm no psychiatrist or psychologist, but I would venture to say that it's probably because they love each other in the way that they like to be loved. I don't know. What do you think, Nicole? No, I agree. I think that some people, when we say this person is compatible with this other person, meaning, hey, this person actually gets this other person's love language. It may be easier for somebody to fall in line with somebody's love language if they feel like they can easily do it, right? So if you are somebody that loves to get gifts, right? So if that's your 
your love language. Nine times out of 10, you're going to be a really good gift giver as well. And so if you are dating someone that also appreciates gifts and you're giving that to them, well, they're going to feel extra loved and you're going to feel loved because they're giving you gifts. So those people may be able to connect um, a little bit easier, which is why this person looks like a knight in shining armor to this one woman, but to this other woman, she don't really care what he buys because that's not her love language. She doesn't have that type of appreciation for those things that he's doing. So yes, I do think that different people can be right for different people. Okay. And it doesn't make them a bad person, but if you are communicating what you need and that person is just not able to see the value in your love language or is not willing to invest the time to figure out how to comply with your love language, then y'all not going to fit. Like nothing you do is going to fit. It's going to be like puzzle pieces that can't fit together. Yeah, you can cram them together, but the picture still isn't going to turn out right. So um, I do think that there are some, a lot of situations that are like that, Janine. I agree. And I think that also like we are inherently selfish as people, right? We're inherently selfish. So we think that I'm giving you love the way that I know how to give it. And I don't understand why you're not accepting it. But once something that I actually heard Bishop Jake say before, right? It's like some people have a minimal capacity to love and you have to be okay giving them the minimal capacity that they have, right? Like what we have, what we do is, and this is what Bishop Jake said, and I'm paraphrasing, obviously, is we try to fit a 10 gallon tank of love that we have into someone who is only able to accept two liters of love. It's never going to fit, never going to work. We're just going to keep overflowing and you're going to get frustrated and everything going to be spilling out everywhere, right? We have to be mindful that when we are giving love, the intention is for us to give it so that the person can receive it, not so that we can somehow feel better about ourselves or feel comfortable with the manner in which we're giving it. It's about how they receive it. If you keep sending a a message to a place and it doesn't get received, what's the point? You're wasting your time. So I think it's really important that we stop being selfish in the way that we love and think, how can I not How can I reprogram the way that I think about love to fit the person that I'm with so that they're receiving the love that I'm trying to give them? Mm, That's real. And um, I think that there are a lot of people that don't know what they want, right? I talk to friends and family, even patients that are going through rough times when they're pregnant. And they'll say, oh, you know, he gets on my nerves, da da da. So, okay, well, what, what would it take for him to not get on your nerves? And they don't know, right? Or what do you want him to do? What do you want from this man or woman? And they don't know. And so, ladies, we got to know what our own love language is and be able to articulate our needs so that we won't be so frustrated. Because a lot of people haven't read the book, haven't taken the quiz, they have no idea what they want. But you want, your mate to read your mind and figure out what it is that makes you happy. These people are not mind readers. They're not psychics. So we have to be willing to tell them what exactly they, uh, what exactly we need. And uh, I say all the time, and people listen to this podcast even probably already know both of our love languages, Janine, because 
I'm pretty sure we've said it. I've said a million times. All, all, you know, all my husband has to do is tell me I'm pretty and rub my feet because my my love language is obviously words of affirmation. And my second is physical touch. Tell me I'm pretty and rub my feet. I'm good. I'm good for a couple of days. You don't have to say nothing else to me. You don't have to do nothing else. You don't have to remember to take out the trash. You don't have to clean the bathroom. You don't have to lower the bathroom, the seat. You don't have to buy me no purse. You don't have to do none of that. I'm pretty. You rub my feet. I'm good. I'm good for a couple of days. Okay. Until I say, babe, can you rub my feet again? And then you say, yeah, you work so hard. You're so pretty. Let me sit here and rub your feet. Oh, thank you, daddy. I'm good again. But you have to know what it is that you're good with. My husband learned that the hard way. I mean, he will buy me nice stuff. You know, my friend was talking uh, the other day because I said, I know you wonder why I'm buying James all this stuff for Father's Day because I bought my husband a lot of stuff, but that's one of his love languages. I know he likes gifts and he buys me really nice gifts. And she said, well, he goes out of his way to buy you nice gifts. But he'll say, I mean, I bought you this gift. You didn't even open it. You know, you didn't even open it. For like months, you didn't open it. I bought you that Prada purse. You haven't worn it. I bought it two years ago. And because for me, I'm not a big like, oh yeah, I got a new gift. You know, that's not me. You know, you bought me that and put it down and you didn't say any kind words behind that. Like you didn't make me feel like, why did you buy this? You didn't buy this because I was the best person in the world and you knew you were blessed from the heavens when I when you met me. I want to hear that, Okay. I want to hear that. I, you can buy me a card. If I hear those words, you're the best thing to happen to me. I don't know what my life would be like if I didn't meet Nicole Plenty. It was Nicole Lee at that time. None of these chicks can, can compare. I want to hear it. Okay? I don't care about the Fendi. No message comes behind it. But you got to know that. And I know that. I've told my husband that. I need to hear it. So... It's funny because my main love language, and it's literally only by like a point, my main love language is physical touch. My two tied for second are acts of service and gifts. So I'm very much like, yes, I'm with the feet rubbing and all of that, right? But right behind it, I'd like a gift and I'd like you, <laughs> I'd like you to make my day easier. And honestly, when I first, when we first got married and I took the test, it was gifts were number one and quality time was number two. And it's, it's shifted and we've only been married for a little, little less than five years, but it just shifted because quality time is not very realistic right now, I think. And I don't know that's why it shifted or I have no idea, but it has shifted. So, but you know, gift giving. And physical touch always stay up there somewhere. I think that it's important that people check in, though. Like, I know that most of your love language stays the same and what you appreciate stays the same. But I think the check-in is important because you're not going to have the same priorities in 10 years that you had 10 years ago. And if you do, then you should grow. Grow some. Grow some. They'll change. No, you're right. I mean, definitely your love language can change. And you know what? Your love language could probably change with who you're with too. You know, if you, if there's a lack with this person and you're like, he never tells me I look good. He never tells me I'm pretty. I feel like, you know, I'm disgusting around him. Right. And then y'all break up and you get with somebody that tells you that all the time. Then you could realize like, I really don't need that as much, but I'm lacking here. So your love language could change also with who you're with. And what they're doing and what you're, you know, that little 
20% he's lacking, that's the thing you could start yearning for. So it definitely could change from time to time. As people evolve and change, you can also change with them. And then if you say, oh, to the next one, and then the next one is doing all the right things that that other one's not doing, then, hey, now you, you're you missing something there. You're like, he never gives me gifts. Okay, you cheap. Because you, all you do is tell me I look good. Where to get that, you know? So <laughs> you can want something different from somebody new. That's very true. That's a good point. All right, Johnny. So now that we've talked about our love languages, let's go to some letters from our listeners. Why don't we? Let's do it. So my letter reads, Nicole and Janine, my wife thinks because she wears sexy things and we have sex when she wants to that that makes me happy. But I keep telling her I want us to spend time together, just the two of us. Um, we've been married for almost two years and been together for four years. When we were dating, we spent so much time together and she was so supportive. However, after I finished my orthopedic surgery residency three years ago, she spent a lot of time socializing with her friends and sorority sisters, shopping and, as she says, brunching. We were engaged at the time, so I didn't think anything of it. However, Since we've been married, the socializing with friends and neglect of me has continued. She works part-time as a nurse, but when I have a day off, she's still out and about with her friends or catching up on emails. She does buy me things when she's out, which is nice, but that doesn't replace spending time together, talking about nothing and laughing and joking together. I've tried to be clear about what I need, but either she's not listening or she just doesn't get it or care. Ladies, what should I do to get my relationship back on track? Sign Vance. Vance, the first suggestion that I have is get the book. The book also has some like extra supplemental things like cards and other quizzes and other things that you can look at um, that might help because I don't necessarily know that if your wife's love language is physical touch, you rejecting what she's doing, like being in sexual lingerie will go over well with her because she might be offended. And then you might have an offended wife who has no interest in giving you any quality time or anything that you're looking for. So let's not let's not deny her of the physical touch that she's looking for. But let's try to figure out a way for you to get what you're looking for as well. So my suggestion would be to go through this book and point out some things like as you all are reading it together or as you all are doing these exercises together, point out some things that you would be more comfortable with and ways that you would like to be loved so that she can see that. And then point out some ways that she that you identified that she might be interested in and have her confirm to you. But also, I would be interested to know at what point did this hanging out with the friends become too much? Because it was okay for a time period and now it's not okay, right? You said you were in your residency. Now I understand that, right? But again, this is why I suggested checking in because you're in a different space in your life now, right? So what you are looking for could be different and what she's looking for could be different. So check in with each other, like have a reset, like level set your relationship and start over of what are you looking for and how are you looking to be loved? Blank slate and build from there. What do you think, Nicole? So I agree with a lot of what you said. Um, it doesn't sound like to me that he's rejecting the sex because it says that 
they have sex when she wants to have sex. And she thinks that that makes him happy, which probably means that her love language is physical touch, right? Because obviously she's, she's initiating, right? So, um, but I would say that if you think that she's happy, but you really aren't happy, then you need to say, hey, listen, I know that I've been talking about us spending more time together, but our lack of time spent together really makes me unhappy. And you need to be direct about that and say, I am not happy because we don't spend time. So time out for suggestions, right? Oh, I I tell her I need to spend time. Oh, I'm suggesting we need to spend time. Oh, I have time off. I'm wondering what she's doing. Oh, she checking email. She's going out with her friends again. No, you need to be a little bit more direct and say, listen, babe, I need one-on-one time with you. And I would suggest perhaps, you know, suggest a trip, you know? Hey, you guys can take a trip together. That is intentionally being away from your friends. And that is intentionally going somewhere where only the two of you know each other, right? So if you're going to somewhere that you can only embrace each other, that will give you time to communicate and say, you know what? I like when we do this. We need to do this more often. I really want us to take a day that we just spend time with each other by ourselves and see what she says, right? Like maybe you guys can get what you both want. Like if her, her love language is physical touch, then she can get what she wants because you're spending time with her by yourself, right? So I would suggest some alone time. And let's say you go on a trip and that doesn't work, right? Like that did not scratch the itch you have, right? That does not do it for you. Then y'all may need to think about going to counseling, right? Because you're on two different pages. If she thinks it's okay to be socializing when you're off and you are yearning for attention, then y'all are not on the same page. And obviously just taking some time together and doing a trip was not enough. And you need some sort of mediated communication that only a counselor can do. And honestly, I really think that people should just have counseling in their marriages. Like my husband and I went through 13 months of counseling from the time we were engaged, literally the month after we got engaged, we started counseling and we had our last counseling session two weeks before we got married. So we did counseling the whole time. And then we also did counseling pretty much the first year and a half of our marriage because we were both adults. We were consolidating our housing situation We both had our own careers. We were moving to a new city that neither one of us had experienced, building something together. And basically that means we're breaking apart our individual lives and building something together. And that can take a lot, okay? If you're in your mid thirties and you are like now having somebody sharing space, you're like, this is my space, you know? It's all cute and fun and games when you're on your honeymoon. But when like the real stuff sinks in, you realize like, I'm taking, trying to take a shower and this dude is in the bathroom. Like, get out, you know? Your boundaries aren't your boundaries anymore. And that can be a lot. So uh, yeah, we went through counseling the first year, year and a half of our marriage as well. So we had like two and a half years of straight counseling, whether that was premarital counseling or marital counseling. And it got us in a be- much better place doing so. So I would suggest, you know, a little rendezvous trip together so you can actually be isolated and talk doesn't work counseling. And even if it does work, you may want to suggest, you know, counseling, even if it's just once a month, you know, just to check in with each other, uh, suggest that. And then I do like Janine's idea about reading the five love languages. So my husband and I read it together. And after we get off this podcast, I'm going to suggest that we read it again together just to see like, how have our love languages changed any, you know, have our needs and desires changed. And I think that that's really important to check in and be open to 
that feedback from your spouse of, hey, we're reading this. Does this sound more like you now? Okay, well, maybe this does sound more like you. And then you can say things like, well, I know this is my love language because I liked it when you did this, right? And that allows your spouse, and of course, it's the words of affirmation, me going back, right? I like it when you did this because that gives positive affirmation about something that was done. Okay, so you can use that thing to example and then it doesn't become a conversation that's just like accusatory. Like, I don't like it when you do this. I don't like that you don't give me compliments. I don't like you don't spend enough time with me. But you can say, I like it when you did take off work to spend time with me. I like that, you know. So then your spouse can hear that positive feedback and know the things that you like and have examples of the things that you like. That's great advice. I think that people need to work harder. I think that people think that when you get married, it's easy. Or when you're with in a relationship, it's easy. And once you are in the relationship for a long period of time, people get complacent and they don't check in. And I think it's actually, you know where I got the check-in idea from? It was from Erica and Warren Campbell. And when, you know, they I was watching their show and they were like, yeah, we do check-ins, but they do check-ins with every member of their family because this is not just for people who are in relationships. This is how this is for just any relationship you have. It could be a parent-child relationship. It could be, you know, a relationship with your coworker. If you are not able to communicate what you are trying to give to that person in a manner in which they're able to receive it, you are going to miss each other. And we have to do better at seeing how people receive what we're trying to give them. And it's not specifically just with love either, but we have to be mindful of how people are receiving what we're trying to give them versus how we are intending it to be received. So I think it's important just to be mindful of how we are communicating with one another. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, and, and with that, you know, my mama's love language is gifts. Okay. She going to buy you gifts even when you don't want them. And if you buy her a gift, she's going to be over the moon, hands down. She has not read this book, but I know, I know my mama. That is her love language is, is giving and receiving gifts. Okay. But uh, yeah, Johnny, I do agree with, uh, with everything you said. And I love, uh, I love the Campbells. I love Erica Campbell and Tina Campbell and, and Warren Campbell and all of Campbells. I like them. Let me tell you, they, they give very, very good advice. Mm-hmm. Okay, so my letter says, Nicole and Janine, first, love the podcast. I just need some hopefully quick advice. So here it is. My husband and I have been together for 30 years. We love each other and have three beautiful children who are now grown. I know that we love each other because otherwise we would not still be together because all of the kids are now out of the house and we are retired. So we spend most of our time together. Sometimes I don't feel the love, but I know it's there. My love language is physical touch. And my husband used to be great at this. But as we got older and things changed, it doesn't really seem that he's really as into me especially after he was diagnosed with erectile dysfunction after having cancer. It's almost like his diagnosis made a wall go up and now he barely touches me. My husband doesn't really notice any change because his love language is quality time. So he's happy as a pig and now, especially during the pandemic. I want my husband to touch me again, but I don't want to make him feel bad. 
ladies, how can I get my husband to understand that I want to be touched and held and it doesn't have to be about sex without making him feel self-conscious? Signed, Barbara. So Barbara, I'm assuming you've been married for 30 years. You're probably in your 50s, right? Let's say even if your husband did not have prostate cancer, um, you know, let's say he didn't. Men's sex drive tends to go down, okay? 40s, 50s. That's just a fact. Women's sex drive tends to go up until they reach a point that they are postmenopausal and then they then get another little lull and then they get a boost again, okay? So you may not be at the point where you have issues with hormonal imbalance because of menopause yet. And so your drive is super high, okay? Whereas his drive is not as high. Furthermore, he has erectile dysfunction and had prostate cancer and probably had prostate surgery. So some of this, we gotta be realistic, okay? He may have to be overexcited to get excited. And men and their egos, that's a real thing, and we have erectile dysfunction, some men don't want any help, right? They, they just don't, they want to avoid that topic of discussion. They want to avoid the act of doing because they feel less than. So what I would suggest is one, you got to go to counseling with this thing because that ego thing, when it comes to erectile dysfunction, okay, is real, ooh, it's sensitive. So I think that you need to go to counseling and not just any kind of counseling, one, relationship counseling, and two, sex therapy. It's a real thing. Now, the other thing that I would suggest is making sure that your husband understands that you're okay if he has some type of stimulation, okay? That may mean that he may need a little help. The little blue pill can help your husband, okay? So you may want to suggest, hey, you think you need any help there? I know that you have cancer. You know, how about we just try this out? Like a friend of mine did it and it's worked for her. Let's try it, you know? Make it sound exciting, but be patient because he has a medical reason not to be able to perform like he used to be able to perform, okay? Now, while y'all trying stuff out, you may not want to hear this, but you might not need to do your little investment in your little rabbit to make sure your knees are kept so you won't be creeping out on the side. And while you are doing your, spending your quality time, that's when you are trying to overstimulate your husband and you are going to suggest the sex therapy piece, the counseling piece, and perhaps a little round of the little blue pill, okay? Because I don't know why men don't want to take this little blue pill to help them it's like, they're so embarrassed. Like we, we don't know, you know, we know you got erectile dysfunction. We sleeping with you. And the fact that you don't want to take this pill is pissing us off. So get him to take the pill. And that is going to be a conversation about, Hey, this work for my girlfriends. Let's try it. Nobody has to know we're trying it. Nobody's in our room. Let's try it. And then go to sex therapy to see if they give you a little bit more pointers. And let's be realistic about these expectations. You may not get it every night, okay? Which is why you may need to invest in your little rabbit to make sure you okay, all right? But if you say, you know, we haven't had sex in months, perhaps your first goal is just to have sex, okay? Get her to take the little blue pill and have sex, and then you work your way up and say, okay, now I want to make sure we have sex once a week, you know, and you might need to do something spicy, a little different to turn him on. Okay. Let's also remind ourselves 
that physical touch, one of the things that you said is that it doesn't have to be sex because physical touch does not have to necessarily be sex, right? Now, if you haven't had sex in a while, I would suggest that you work up to the point of sex because that's ultimately what we're looking for. Of course we are. But let's go back. He had cancer. I'm assuming it's prostate cancer because that's where the correlation comes between the erectile dysfunction and cancer, right? But let me ask you this. Are his hands broken? His hands work? If his hands work, girl, we can be creative. We can use our digits for sex, right? His mouth broken. Y'all are talking to each other, right? So his tongue works. Girl, get creative. Everything does not have to be about this part of his body that does not work. Do not make it centered around his penis because that is the point of contention right now because he might be offended because he knows that that's not his best performance. So let's hype up some other things that he can do. And then you all are both happy. And then you can spend some quality time with them talking about it the next day when y'all are sitting having your coffee. And then now both of you all are happy. You are satisfied. And he has his quality time as you reminisce about how great the night before was or the afternoon before, five minutes before, whatever it is. But don't just dismiss him as we can't have sex because remember back when we were teenagers and we found all kinds of creative ways to be freaky? Go back to that mindset. Go back to the mindset of when you were trying to find all kinds of creative ways, places and interesting things that you probably would be like, what on God's green earth? When and why did I do that? Go back to that, that. It'll be fun. Trust me. And you can thank us later. Just thank us later because I'm telling you now, if you go back to like, hey, I have to sneak around and pretend and do all of this, it gets fun and creative. And then you're not so focused on what he can't do. It'll be fun. Trust and believe. It'll be fun. All right, Johnny. So what did you learn new this week? Okay. So as I was going through this, I learned some like do's and don'ts. And I will say this came from Dr. Steph Ani, right? So like her name, her first name is Steph. And then I think that her last name abbreviated is Ani. So, but we will post it. So these are the do's and don'ts, some do's and don'ts for the love languages. So if your love language is words of affirmation, you might like things like writing love letters or being written love letters and receiving letters or receiving, obviously, live words of affirmation. So text messages, emails, things of that nature. But what you might not be really into is people giving you criticism, insults, or anything that says anything negative about you, especially in front of other people. Much like that, if your partner's love language is quality time, plan a special day for them. Doesn't have to be super extravagant, just a day that you've thought out of something that they may enjoy. Don't a big no-no for them is continuously canceling plans because it makes them feel like it's an afterthought. If you or your partner's love language is receiving gifts, it's giving an unexpected gift as a surprise and makes them realize that you've thought about them. But don't hold it over their head because they will never accept a gift from you in the same manner again. If your partner's love language is acts of service, you can do something that will help relieve them from some sort of responsibility that they have every day. So like I said, dry cleaners, putting gas in the car, anything that they have to do on a daily basis, picking up the kids, just help relieve that, right? But don't focus on the things that they haven't done. So these people tend to be a little bit task oriented. So if you focus on what they haven't done, it could be a little offensive to them. And 
for the final one, if your love language or your partner's love language is physical touch, one of the things that Dr. Steph said was create a touch raffle, which I thought was cute, like a little raffle where you could pick out like, hey, this is this is what I would like to do. This is how I would like to be touched today. And don't the the don't for people who love language is physical touch is don't withhold physical reassurance from them because it can make them feel rejected. What did you learn new this week, Nicole? All of those are fantastic suggestions. I'm sitting here like mental note here, mental note there. So these were really, really good, Janine. So I'm glad that you shared these. So what I learned was that uh, according to a YouGov survey of a thousand Americans, quality time is the love language preferred by most. And that makes up 41% of women under 45 and 44% of women over 45 quoted this as their number one love language. Now, physical touch was the second most common love language, which was ranked for first by 24% of survey respondents. So um, very interesting. So nobody likes your words of affirmation. I'm over here by myself. But it is interesting to know what uh, what the majority of people like. All right. So are we ready for the motivational moment? Let's do it. And the motivational moment comes from Gary Chapman because he is the author of The Five Love Languages. So I thought that this quote was appropriate. And he said, A soft answer turns away anger. Ladies, let that one sink in. For the rest of this year, I want us to listen, speak softly when explaining yourself, and most importantly, acknowledge your honey's love language, and he will also embrace yours. Until we meet again. Pray, work, slay. And show off your melanated excellence. Bye. Oh, That's Deep Black Women Conversations is produced by Nicole Lee Plenty and Janine Brunson Johnson. Executive producer, Ken Johnson. Get the Oh, That's Deep Black Women Conversation podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, or where you get your podcasts. Please subscribe and rate us. You can follow Oh, That's Deep Black Women Conversations on IG at Oh, That's Deep BWC. Oh, That's Deep Black Women Conversations is a mean old lion media production. Don't you love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time. 